What's up? It's Daniel with the Hands to the Plow podcast. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So I am so excited for this first podcast. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Things just didn't quite come together. And on a Friday rainy morning, uh, it just kind of popped in my head. Hey, let's have a conversation with my friend, Pastor Extraordinary, uh, Extraordinaire, Jacob Bale on the podcast. How you doing, Jacob? Oh, man, it is just an honor to be with you, Daniel. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Cool, man. Uh, we're going to be talking about rhythms of life. I think there's a lot of importance, a lot can that can be gained uh, from having rhythms in life. I'll be honest, I'm not very good at keeping these rhythms. I know, Jacob, you're, you've done a great job, or at least it appears like you've done a great job with your family and everything else, really kind of going uh, on a walk with kind of how Jesus did things, you know? And so what I'd like to get into is just kind of like, what have you seen? What have you done? What is your family's family doing? What, what, how does that relate biblically, you know, to what you've seen? So yeah, let's get into it, man. You ready? Let's go. All right. So first things first, let's talk about Eastern culture and rhythms and what do you have to say about that? And how is it kind of coming to you, how you live your life? Yeah. So I think when we are looking at Eastern culture uh, in comparison, obviously, to Western culture, there is a drastic difference. Uh, so when we look at Eastern culture, uh, we we do have to start with where we're at. So we're obviously not uh, participating in that kind of culture. We're more in a Western kind of culture. So we have to identify what is happening in our own life. And that is uh, here in the West, uh, things are very production based. Everything is uh, through the lens of maybe we can say an anxious production. Uh, maybe we can say a fear of scarcity, uh, but everything is at a certain kind of pace where you are doing whatever you can to work to feel some kind of achievement or to feel some kind of approval uh, in our society. So things are naturally more hurried. Uh, there have been multiple philosophers. The one that I uh, think of is Dallas Willard when he said that we ought to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our life. Well, in our in the West, uh, hurry is, uh, I don't even think it's just something that happens. It's at the DNA of what it means to be in our Western culture. So there is a natural hurry, uh, a rush of, of human dwelling here in the West. Now, in comparison to Eastern culture, um, there is more of a, a rooted tradition, which quite frankly, it's better to look at the West being a birth out of the East. It's just somewhere along the way, uh, we became a little bit more different. Well, church church history and world history would say not only we become different, but we had a lot of arguments and a lot of fights about a lot of different things. But in the East, uh, the culture is rooted in a very long Judo-Christian tradition uh, that stems back all the way to our biblical ancestors, uh, to uh, a place where the people were identified not by what they could produce, but based off of what God uh, had given to them. Um, it was never about 
um, how they could work hard to get a certain kind of thing, but rather how the Lord provided and out of that provision, they work hard. Um, because I do think we have to have a healthy theology of work. Uh, we do have to have a good and appropriate relationship with work, but an unhealthy relationship uh, with work is uh, when we think that our identity um, is rooted to what we can create. That's not at all uh, what God had had done. And that was God created us in his own image. And what we see in his own image is that, yes, God works, but then God also rests. And that's what's um, so, really cool Cool about, like, if you go into Genesis, I mean, he lays the foundation right there in the very beginning. I don't think it's by happenstance that, you know, God created the heavens and earth and then rested on the seventh day, right? And we're just, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the seventh day, right? But there needs to be a time in there where we have that day where we just kind of like disconnect to connect and we just rest, right? And we rest in him and, and we get disconnected from the really culture and the the things of this world. I was listening to a podcast with Jefferson Bethke and John Mark Comer and he was talking about how, uh, and I don't know, I don't know exactly about this study, but I find it really, really interesting that the Lord lays it out in Genesis one. But then, even now, our bodies are so accustomed to that and and need that that I don't think again it's by happenstance that we go through, you know, five six days of work. Then we're like, dude, our body just needs some rest, you know, right. And so right. I think what's important about that is not the rest, right? But finding those rhythms in life and in that rest as well. Right. And I think when it comes to, we have to do some work on even defining what we mean when we say rest. Uh, does does rest just mean taking a nap? Does it mean uh, just uh, sitting on the couch uh, uh, and watching uh, Tennessee Titans football lo- and them lose again. I'm a, I'm a Tennessee Titans fan, so yeah. I can I guess I can say that. Um, but um, we have to really define what rest is, and what rest is is um, knowing that we are sustained by this God who created us. That if we can um, sit in a space, whatever that space might be, whether it is taking a nap or whether it is walking in creation or enjoying presence with family or even playing a game. That if we can sit and dwell in that space, knowing that it's God's finished work that sustains us, then that's when we begin to actually have this kind of rest uh, that God himself even uh, even practiced. And I do think that, again, in the East, going back to what you were talking about, I do think in that kind of culture, there is that rhythm of of taking time to get away, uh, get away from the, the culture of hurry, get away from uh, this kind of thought that I am what I do. Um, and remember that I am who God says that I am uh, and who God is, is a big indicator of, of how we ought to uh, begin to start having a conversation on rhythms. Yeah. And I, I can imagine just by being a man, you know, and this is not to like keep women from listening to this conversation. It'd actually be really interesting to have probably your wife, Catherine, on here uh, to talk about this because she's obviously built into that, but to see the difference between men and women, right? Because not that women aren't related to their work, but men have more of a relationship specifically with their work. They're more so than, than women do, 
where for men, right, it's much more difficult for us to turn things off when it comes to work, right? Because we're the providers, we're the ones, you know, that that look, we're the ones that take care of our family, not saying women don't do that. I'm just saying, you know, in it with our psyche, that's kind of where our drive is, you know, and how as men, um, that's just kind of like what we're inclined to do. So I can imagine it's probably even more difficult for us to say, okay, it's time to slow down, right? It, it's time to be, to stop being overstimulated and just enjoy some things in life, you know? So what are those things that you do, man? Yeah. And there, to your point, like I'll, I'll speak to uh, what Catherine and I do. And then even with, what I'm practicing, uh, one of the things that I am constantly saying, not only to myself, but also the men that I'm walking with uh, in the ministries at the church that we're with, is that Jesus is the manliest man. Uh, Jesus is the manliest man where uh, we do have this kind of masculine identity where we think that, again, uh, we are what we do. We got to uh, work uh, so anxiously uh, because if we don't do what we need to do, then then we're not going to receive what our family needs. Um, and there is a lot of um, looking throughout history that, yes, men are called to work. Uh, and that's a part of the healthy relationship to work. But if I look at Jesus, who is fully God and, and fully human, um, while also being a, a masculine man uh, walking amongst this earth, Jesus is is doing certain kind of things where there's a reason. Uh, like I wish we had um, more in Scripture, and Scripture gives us all that we need for the sake of salvation. But I wish there were some stories of how, uh, again, as Jesus was a carpenter, uh, going from um, uh, a young child, uh, all the way to his early thirties. I'm like, man, I wonder what Jesus relationship was, uh, well working as a carpenter, uh, and even, uh, moving, uh, amongst life, but we don't have that. What we do have, um, is Jesus's, uh, life in his, um, uh, from, uh, mainly in his, uh, in his ministry. But what I see Jesus's rhythms uh, and specific practices that he's doing, which, which by the way, for anyone listening, when we use the word rhythm, that is a that's a musical term uh, that's typically defined by a reoccurrence of something that's happening. So that's what I say when I when when I say rhythm that there is a reoccurrence uh, of uh, of a certain practice that's showing up. And what I see G Jesus doing is he's participating in this reoccurrence of of spiritual disciplines. He's participating uh, in these kind of pathways because to him, all of life is about being in intimacy with his father uh, and uh, being in the will of his father. And that's kind of the place that that not only myself, I believe uh, all humans, uh, again, created in the image of God, that they are to uh, be in that kind of space. So for me, the things that I'm practicing right now Let's start with what we've already addressed. Uh, there is the threat of hurry. Uh, so for me, in order for me to uh, have a resistance towards the hurry, um, Sabbath, uh, Dr. Walter Brueggemann actually wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance. Uh, and Sabbath for me, it's really so hard. I, you say Sabbath as resistance, meaning pushing against the, the cultural norm, basically? Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Um, pushing against the um, the the status quo of hey, 
like, for example, when someone says, how are you doing? We're starting to move away from I'm good to I'm busy. That's starting to become the, the normal that we use busyness as a badge of honor to say, hey, I'm constantly working, which mm -hmm. means that shows that apparently I'm successful or I am um, something that I am achieving to be. When in reality, that's not how um, humans ought to uh, live their life. Well, let's um, go ahead and stop there, right? I, I think this is a good point. Sorry to interrupt, but like busyness does not equate to success. Again, right. busyness does not equate to to success. If anything, I think it can be detrimental uh, to success because we, we don't take that time to kind of slow down, you know? So anyway, yeah, I just want to throw that in there real quick. Keep going, going, Jake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I remember, I remember, uh, growing up, uh, in the church, the small Southern Baptist church that I grew up in. And one of the deacons ended up saying that the, the best kind of thing that Satan can do, um, to you and best for him, uh, not for you. Uh, the best kind of thing that Satan can do is, is to make you more busy. Uh, and that, uh, to draw you away from time with the Lord, time with, um, your, your spouse, if you're married, time with family. Um, so all of these things are at work. And when I look at Jesus, when I look at Jesus, he has specific rhythms, uh, that he uses to, again, uh, resist uh, a culture uh, for him. Cause he's in a, uh, Greco Roman culture. Everything is just like ours. Uh, everything is so rooted in imperial success, uh, looking uh, looking the part. He is in that same kind of culture that we're in just 2000 or so years before us. Um, so what he's doing is that he's getting away. Uh, and I'm doing that in my own life uh, in a resistance towards hurry that I try to get away. Um, but here's the thing, Daniel, it's so hard Um with uh, a 10 month old. Uh, I have a, a, uh, what are you uh, talking about? It can't be that bad. Right. It can, right. 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 And, 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 and children are again, gift of the Lord. The, the kingdom of God belongs to them. This is how we ought to receive the kingdom of God. Like all these beautiful things, um, which ought to mean even more that we ought to love our children. Well, by taking the extra step, the intentional step, of, of resisting the hurry, uh, resisting um, the excuse uh, that, hey, I don't have time because I have a child at home. Uh, there requires an intentionality of a father that would be, hey, for the, not only for the sake of my son, but for the sake of me being good at being a man uh, for my son, uh, for um, my wife, that I need to intentionally set aside time, which Sabbath... Um, Sabbath is not only a day that we ought to practice. It's more about the heart uh, in which we practice. Again, a heart that says, if I were to not work again, um, can I trust that God's finished work sustains me? Um, that It's more about the heart as opposed to a day, which is, which hey, is where... Hold on. I, I want people to really, to really get this. I think it's important what you just said about the heart. And Sabbath, can, can you kind of repeat that that portion again, the difference between the heart of it and what it really is? Yeah, um, it's a heart that says, hey, if I were to not work again, God's finished work, which again, let me 
Wait, let me explain the finished work. That's Jesus. Jesus on the croc, cross saying, it is finished. Did you say There's Jesus me. wearing Crocs? I, you know, it came <laughs> out. It came out, you know. Jesus. You know? I can't Hold on, hold on. We got to go off topic for a second. Do you, think, do you think that if Jesus was walking around today, he would wear Crocs? I, 110%, I think he would be rocking some Crocs for sure. If, if you want... And uh, for some, now, viewers, he would probably be he would probably be rocking some off-brand Crocs, but he'd be rocking Crocs. I, you know what? I think if he were to come in flesh right now, he would not be wearing sandals. He would certainly be wearing Crocs. And for those listening who have an Old Testament theology perspective, Daniel, those Crocs, and this is just fun facts: the crocodile um, uh, oh, um, was just the symbol of a leviathan. And the hippo was a symbol of a behemoth. So for our for our biblical ancestors, there was just this fear of these two kind of beasts. So for Jesus to be stepping on Crocs um, or stepping on, for some they would even know, stepping on the snake wow. constantly, yeah. I think yeah. he would be wearing some Crocs to constantly yeah, say, hey, because man. Because he would be stepping on the Croc all day long. All day long. Wow, we went off. So we went from <laughs> rhythms of life and Sabbath to Jesus wearing Crocs. That was awesome. Uh, okay, so... For the listeners, um, if you wanna if you wanna weigh in on this and comment, let us know what you think Jesus would be wearing. Okay, shorts, he cargo shorts. Would he be wearing cargo shorts or gym you shorts? You know, I I don't know. That is a great question because we are in that era of of jorts and 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 all that kind of thing. Is is Jesus doing that? Maybe maybe if he came in flesh in East Nashville, um, maybe. That, <laughs> Maybe that is where uh, that would be happening, but I'm going to leave that up to him. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Yeah. I don't, yes. think, I don't even know where to go from there. All right. But, Matt, we're talking about Sabbath and the heart. Okay. So yes. Yes. Finished work, finished uh, work and, the, and, and the cross. What happened on the cross? Uh, we're talking about atonement, how, Again, we needed salvation. We needed someone to step into the narrative, the narrative of brokenness and sin. And Jesus stepped into the narrative uh, and said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. That comes out of me because I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, and it's from that place um, that we find rest. I mean, it's that it's that classic passage in Matthew chapter 11 uh, that as Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he is amongst this people, again, rooted in anxiety, rooted in, hey, um, are you going to deliver us uh, from the empire uh, of the day? Um, it's in that space that Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And this rest is not, again, like, hey, I will give you a nap. Now, granted, Jesus did take naps. And he quite took frankly, a lot of naps, man. You're like, quite frankly, why, why aren't you getting worked up right now? You're over there sleeping on this boat. The storm's going around. Things are going crazy. But little did they know, hey, dude, I, I know I, I created all of this. Like it's That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, uh, that kind of rest is more like, hey, and because later on, he would then say in Matthew 11, hey, remove the yoke. Uh, which that yoke is the pressure and the expectations um, of culture. So the, the culture of the West um, remove that kind of yoke, um, which not only the expectations uh, that that culture is giving you, but your own 
your own expectations that you have for yourself or you think you should be, um, this kind of pressure, whether it's rooted in shame or if it's rooted in arrogance, remove all of that. Because what I have for you um, is this thing called gentleness, this gentleness that just like like a good father that's wrapping around a warm blanket uh, after you've been out in the cold uh, for hours, just shivering in need of warmth. It's a father who's opening up this warm blanket to put over you and saying, hey, although you've been out uh, in, in the spaces where you feel as if you can't do it on your own, I'm putting my warmth and gentleness over you. And that's where, uh, again, going back to the heart, uh, that if you are to practice in the rhythm of, 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 of rest uh, with having a heart that says, hey, I don't need to work. I don't need to work again because I know uh, that God's finished work sustains me. That's where our Sabbath is more of a rhythm uh, for life as opposed to some kind of legalistic function in which we feel more Christian. And we do we do need to be careful of that. Like we don't we don't rest because of the work we've already done. We rest because of the work that the Lord has done and the finished work that the Lord has done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you work from that place, not for it. You work from rest as opposed right. to working to get rest. Exactly. And, and that's what I think. And granted, yes, we always look forward to, to, to that. Right. Cause again, in our culture, we work, 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 work. And then we're like, Oh, great. You know, Sabbath is here so I can finally rest. But what it makes me wonder what would happen if all of us intentionally turned it around and we said, Hey, we're going to work from our rest. So instead mm -hmm. of putting work at the forefront, right. We're not putting Sabbath. Um, we're, we're putting Sabbath first to see how that will change our forward trajectory into our work week, you know, yeah. per, per se from, from that point of rest. And that that's going to be really difficult to, to do because that's not, that's not in our culture. That's not how our culture is wired, but I can imagine that there's a whole lot more rest throughout your work week. And when I say rest, meaning like less anxiety you know, less turmoil, all those types of things, because you're already setting your week on a different trajectory by setting the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rest in the Lord before we even start this whole week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're right, Daniel, that we are in a culture that's wired this way. And I would even argue that human beings are neurologically wired for rest. Um, God created our minds um, to rest and to rest well. Uh, and that's where I do think uh, if my wife was speaking into this, she would be talking about how um, God created the mind and in, in speaking into this. And, and oftentimes when we think about even our headspace of, of um, just working all day long and, and starting from the process of if, if I don't reach a certain point in my work, uh, then I haven't made it. That when we come home, this is when we start to see um, if we're not working from rest, we end up uh, creating a a home life uh, that is ended up uh, rooted in 
um, technology. We're, we're, we're stuck in, uh, in looking at everyone else's work so that even when we get home, um, we're scrolling. Uh, some, some scholars would even call it doom scrolling. Well, we're looking through um, everyone else's work. What are they up to? And we're developing these kind of patterns of comparison. We're developing um, these kind of patterns that that aren't from the finished work that God has already sustained us. And it's a slippery slope uh, into um, making us less human when God has said, hey, for you to be human is for you to rest and for you to be a part of that rhythm. I've got a question that's just popped in my head. Do you believe that we can pursue healthy rhythms inside things that are man-made and manufactured? So, for instance, right, I can see us being able to have healthy um, rhythms inside of creation that, that the Lord has made. But, you know, let's say technology, things like that. Do you think things that are man-made, we can find healthy rhythms inside those? I I definitely think you can. Um, Where I would give warning is that there is definitely a shadow side uh, to things that are uh, man-made, using your uh, language here. So, for example, our relationship with technology, since that's what we're talking about, um, there is definitely a shadow side. Uh, to whether it's social media, uh, whether if it's uh, what we are um, watching TV on, which we use the word binge, which binge is actually an unhealthy word, um, which is kind of ironic. Um, So uh, there is uh, a lot of unhealthy shadow sides to all of that. And that's where I would say, um, I don't think the question ought to be, are these kind of things bad? The question ought to be, what are things that are good? And if we know that there are things that are good, uh, then those are the things that we ought to be intentionally pursuing uh, in comparison to kind of just tipping our toe into what we think uh, could be bad. I think it's the role of of the church, uh, those who are uh, followers of Jesus, these Christians, that if God did create a a good creation, um, then we ought to be practicing in rhythms of being in creation, uh, rhythms that look like going out, going out for a run. Cause I am to love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and being my body. So I need to go out and run. I need to go exercise in creation and, and, and look for times like, and I hate saying that out loud that I need to go and work, uh, work out at least 15 to 30 minutes a day. Um, but yeah, it's because that's a rhythm, uh, of, of loving the Lord with all of our body, uh, as well as prayer, that being a specific rhythm where, um, we're not just praying uh, when we are um, here uh, at a church building and uh, the pastor says, hey, take some time to pray. Now, granted, that is a rhythm, but it's a part of a, a tradition as opposed to you intentionally mm-hmm. practicing prayer. Um, but I do think that like some technology like, hey, could I use a bike and let that be a part of a restful rhythm? Yeah, I can. I can be a part of that. Uh, could I use. Um, can I watch the chosen? Cause, uh, cause that's a, a big thing right now of, of watching through that or, uh, things like that. I do think when it comes to an ethical perspective that it can become challenging when it becomes less about God and more about you in those kind of spaces. So I do think we, we need to be aware of our sense of self 
and our sense of God in those kind of relationships. Um, so, yeah. Well, and through that, you're going to have more discernment. So let's say you're death scrolling or you're on Facebook, right? Because the comparison game, we all get into it when we get on social media. But if like I'm in my happy space, right, and I'm trying to rest, but I'm scrolling through social media and I know I have a propensity to compare my situation to everybody else's situation that puts me in a poor headspace, that's not going to be rest. Right, right. Yeah, and and the creators of 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 Facebook again, they they are, know they they do it so they keep you coming back. Exactly, notifications are the new kind of nicotine that you are just going to keep on coming to give to give them business. When again, this is the shadow side of these kind of relationships uh, that we have with technology, and it's just best for the Christian to to ask. Well, then, what is good? And I think that's where uh, the Lord would say, well, get into my word. Let me tell you what is good. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the kind of space that we need to be looking to instead of wondering, hey, could this be good? Uh, because those kind of questions, um, those kind of questions can be dangerous. Well, if we're and not- I think if you're already saying, could this be good? It probably means it's not a blue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're already right. second guess yourself, like, because the Lord, like when it's him, you know, for I feel like he makes it pretty darn clear. You're like, oh, that that's God right there. But if you're just like, man, I just I don't know, you know, it might it might not be. You know, there's probably a good chance it's not. So yeah, and that's a good uh, descriptor there um, because uh, again, if if good is rooted in this word tov, uh, and tov is the Hebrew you say word. Toast? It, toast, not toast. Man, you are Crocs and toast, man. Crocs Maybe that needs toast, to be. Man. Grab your Crocs and toast. Do you remember? Um, you remember when? Um, I don't know. People might remember this. You remember when the lady had the toast that looked like Jesus, and like she sold it for a bunch of money? Did you ever see that? I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was like it was like a piece of toast, and it had like a picture of Jesus on it, the way it was baked, or something like that. No, I've never. I promise, heard I'm that. not. I'm, I'm going to have to. I, I'm going to have Joe Rogan right now where he's like talks to his other people over there and they look it up or whatever. They look it up. Yeah. I mean, so, I know, I know how some people mistaken Jesus for Obi-Wan Kenobi and they have uh, uh, pictures of that because uh, Jesus is white in a lot right, of traditions. Hold on. Is there, <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure out. Um, so they're not obviously going to be able to see it on the, the podcast, but I can, I can share my screen. Right. So maybe I can desktop too. Is that how I do it? Whiteboard, whiteboard, maybe you can do, you can hit that green button to share screen below. But as, as you're looking for it again, that word Tove, when we're saying good, what it means is that it fulfills. Um, So anything that, that does not fulfill based off of how God created us, then yeah, it's, it's definitely, not good. Do you um, see it? No, I don't see it. Dang it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, there is look up toast with Jesus face <laughs> and you'll find it. I promise. I promise. Okay. I'll look, it, I'll look I, it up. I'll look it up. I'll look it up while I wear my croc. All right. Sorry. All right. Hey man, we're gonna have to stop this. Because I don't have the upgraded version of Zoom. But let's stop it because I think we're going on a really good 
trajectory and we can keep talking about it. Do you got a few more minutes? Yeah, man. All right. Hey, we're going to be right back in a few minutes. Yeah.